Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Content Pros Podcast. We're really excited today to be joined by Scott Brinker. Thanks, Chris. It's Randy here. Scott, it's great to have you here. I feel like uh, we could fill our typical 30 minutes just talking about all the different hats that you wear on a day-to-day <laughs> basis, uh, but we'll, we'll try and stick uh, to a very high level. Uh, you know, Maybe you can tell us about how you balance between uh, being the editor at Chief Martech um, and everything tied to the MarTech conference, which I, I just got back to. And you know, for people who haven't been, I would say it's a, it's a must attend uh, for what I hope will be a, a repeat next year. Um, and then as well, uh, the CTO hat you're wearing at Ion Interactive. So why, why don't you give us an idea of the balance of the two and what those, those two properties are? Sure. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you the super short version of that. Um, so it, it largely comes down to two hats. Uh, I am the, as you mentioned, the uh, CTO, co-founder of a company called Ion Interactive. Uh, we make a SaaS platform for marketers to build and deploy interactive content. So things like quizzes and assessments and configurators and games and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Um, and that's kind of actually my background is I've spent uh, yeah years in one form or another building software in the marketing space. The, the second hat I wear kind of came out of that, which is uh, about eight, nine years ago, I started a blog, chiefmartech.com, that was really around this phenomenon I noticed of as marketing was becoming just more entangled in the digital world, uh, th- there were very new kinds of people working in the marketing department, collaborating with marketing, uh, yeah, software people, IT people, you know, the, 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 these, these marketing technologists, um, as uh, they're now called, uh, seemed like a really fascinating new kind of profession that they, they, they were bridging these two worlds that used to be, right, like diametrically opposed. Uh, so, I, so I write the blog around that, chiefmartech.com. It's got maybe around 100,000 readers now. Um, and then, you know, as uh, you mentioned, also, we launched the MarTech conference uh, around that community. And I'm so happy to hear that was a great conference for you. And Scott, I know that marketing technology is something that we all talk about every single day. It's come up quite a few times on the show, but the concept of a tech stack may be new for some marketers. And I know that there's a lot of education around that on Chief MarTech. And you have one of the most famous marketing images ever created that you update every year with the marketing technology landscape. But for those who may not be fluent in the term tech stack for marketers, could you kind of describe what you mean by that and how a marketer should approach their technology stack? Sure. So the the, the simple version of it is a, a company's marketing tech stack is that's really just a fancy way of saying 
these are the different marketing technology products we use in marketing. You know, and for some companies that may be a relatively small set. They might just have, you know, okay, well, we use like HubSpot for this. And uh, yeah, I guess we use Google Analytics for this other thing. And, you know, maybe we use Hootsuite. Um, you know, so for some companies, that's a relatively small thing. Uh, but as you get into larger companies uh, or companies that are just a little bit more sophisticated in what they want to be doing online, um, it turns out actually that uh, companies in a number of cases, right? They might have half a dozen, a dozen, two dozen uh, different marketing technology products that they use for different aspects of marketing. They might have something, you know, one thing for marketing automation, something else for CRM, something else they're using for their uh, web content management system, something else for dealing with social. Um, you know, and, 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 and there's lots of pros and cons to this. There's lots of debate in the industry about how you approach this. Uh, but the term marketing tech stack has kind of gotten coalesced around this idea of, hey, you can actually think strategically about which pieces you're choosing and how they fit together. Uh, and if, if any listeners are interested in this, uh, if you do a search for the stackies, uh, which Randy, you guys at Uberflip are the only people who have won this uh, twice in a row. Um, uh, the, the stackies is actually a contest we hold where marketers will submit a PowerPoint slide that diagrams and visualizes how they think of their marketing tech stack. What are the different pieces they use and how do they how do they make that cohesive? Yeah, Scott, it was it was exciting for the team here to to win that, and uh, for me to be there and accept it on behalf of them. I mean, I, I I shouldn't have been up there; they should have been up there. But it's definitely exciting for the team to rally around the the way they're thinking about, as you say, you know, using technology in a more sophisticated way. Um, you know, cr Chris alluded to this marketing tech landscape that you've become infamous for. I mean, you know, to a degree, I mean, I would almost say that there was more anticipation for the 2016 reveal um, than there was for the NCAA, you know, 6014 <laughs> bracket, right? I mean, like, you know, I, they were both probably happening at the same time, but I feel like people really wanted to see how you were going to, you know, drop people into the different buckets. Maybe you can just, you know, give us an idea, first of all, of, of how this landscape has come to be and how it's evolved over the year, both in terms of the amount of companies as well as, you know, touching a little bit maybe on, on the latest framework in terms of how you're dividing things. Sure. Yeah, wow. Um, and I thought it was just me who was that much of a marketing nerd to get so excited about, you know, all these technologies. Um, it's, it's good to know I have company. So... This marketing technology landscape uh, started with very humble origins that in 2011, I put together a PowerPoint slide that was just, frankly, a collection of logos organized in a relatively haphazard way of, hey, this is the collection of different marketing technologies that I've heard people are using out there. And the reason I came up with it was really, you know, going back to how my blog started is looking at this emergence of technical people working in the marketing department, marketing technologists. One of the first questions that would always get asked is, well, why? Why do you need technical people working in 
the marketing department, you know. And so I, I assembled that slide of all these different technologies as a way of basically making exhibit A in the case of like, hey, marketing's becoming actually a pretty technology-driven discipline. Um and so, you know, I, I went back, I did another one in 2012. It went from like 150 companies to, I think, around 350. Uh, a couple years later in 2014, I came back and then all of a sudden the landscape, uh, I, I calculated nearly 1,000. Uh, last year I, I did it and it was up to 2,000. Uh, this year it, it uh, as far as unique companies, somewhere around 3,500. Um, and I mean, this, this is, a, it, it has become sort of a phenomenon unto itself because I, I don't think anyone, myself included, would have anticipated that the scale of all these different marketing technologies and all these different companies that are innovating different facets of the marketing world uh, would have reached this number. So, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I don't know how much utility there is to the graphic. Uh, you know, I mean, at, at this point now, you know, the logos are. You know, I, I don't know what maybe ten pixels per logo or something at this point. Um, you know, my my point for producing it still largely is just as a conversation piece because there are still marketers who, when they see this, it changes their perception of just how much marketing is really becoming dependent on how how deft it is at navigating that landscape and being able to harness it uh, to their advantage. Well, you hit on utility, and I wanted to share <laughs> the utility I have for that individual image. I, I use it in almost every slide deck that I present now, and it's to strike fear in many marketers and to overwhelm them at how many providers are out there and the difficulty of just adding tool upon tool upon tool. Because to me, it feels like we're still not really embracing the strategic alignment of all of the technology that we have, regardless of company or size or how technical the people are. We have these amazing tools. And if used properly with the right strategy, we can accomplish great things. But it feels a little bit like the yellow brick road where people just add a bunch of stuff and then they say, hey, here's our here's our stack. And I know that's not the case for Randy with Uberflip because he's doing some amazing things and has won the stackies twice. But maybe you could enlighten us a bit to your approach of how to align all these different things and wrap strategy around it. Yeah, no. And I mean, it is, uh, it's actually funny. The other people who uh, have had tell me they really love that landscape is uh, folks from the the major marketing cloud vendors. Um, you know, I won't name names of specific people, but, you know, at companies like Adobe, Oracle, and Salesforce, apparently their sales team absolutely loves that diagram. And, you know, there's there's been more than a few uh, sales calls where they're like, okay, well, you could deal with this scary diagram, or you could just buy everything from us. Don't you really just want to buy everything from us? Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see that that, that strategy has been, uh, yeah, um, uh, starting to uh, crumble a bit uh, lately for them. But, uh, um, but, but, but I empathize. Actually, there's a the reality is most marketers aren't technologists. They didn't get into marketing um, to deal with a whole bunch of technologies, or for that matter. That, that even shouldn't be their mission at all, right? I mean, you know, marketing is about understanding the customer and connecting with them increasingly, right? We talk about um, how do we get a really, how, how does marketing own customer experience across the entire 
buyer's life cycle uh, to really build the brand that way. And, and th- that really is the level at which marketers, senior marketers need to focus. I think the, the, the challenge is that although you don't want marketing to be technology-led, you don't want to be in this mode of, okay, well, let's go out and buy a whole bunch of cool technology and then, you know, sort of sit around with a bottle of wine and say, hmm, I wonder what we could build with this. Um, you know, you, you do want it to be driven from, a, okay, what, what is our strategic objective in marketing? What are we trying to deliver into the marketplace? How are we trying to connect with customers? But the thing is, Technology is changing so rapidly now. You know, we see this with the, you know, the social, we see it with mobile, we see it with some really exciting thing that's things that are starting to happen here with other devices. You know, we'll see where VR goes. I mean, all, all these new technologies open up new strategic possibilities for how marketing breaks through the noise. How do they actually engage with their target audience? Um, and so, well, while you can't be technology led, you can't also be technology. I don't know what the right word for it would be. It's it's almost like just you know ignoring the technology level, saying, oh, "Okay, well, we'll figure out our strategy, and then you know someone down in the IT department will figure out how we actually you know get the technology to work for that." It, it really does have to be something that's done at a, at a partnership. Uh, you have to be sort of looking at how technology is enabling new kinds of customer experiences, but then thinking very carefully about, okay, it's not just a cool widget here, but how does that capability, how would we harness that in the context of our brand and our audience? So I, th- I think that's a great point in terms of getting overwhelmed and, and how do we start thinking about this? And one one question, I, and I feel like you maybe presented on this at MarTech or someone definitely did. And you know, this one area that I always debate as we think about our stacks and we build our stacks of, of technology is what is the future going to look like? Is it going to look more like that you know traditional hub and smoke spoke model where you've got one central piece of technology and then a whole bunch of other pieces, which you know today integration is key, or do we have to start looking at our marketing technology is, uh, you know, integrating with each other where there's less of a single hub and more, you know, a need to intertwine and, you know, maybe even have a better way to you know, describe that than I'm trying to. But I, I think that's my big question that I, you know, that we're always trying to figure out here is what is that main piece that a marketer feels is their home base, almost the way salespeople have have naturally treated Salesforce perhaps, or their CRM as that home base? Yep. It's a great question. Um, So I think there's my, my theory of this and my theory had been for a number of years that a hub and spoke approach was the most rational way for this to work because you, you kind of want the best of both worlds. On one hand, you want one core system that acts as your center of truth, uh, you know, particularly around data, particularly data about your customer, or your audience. Ideally, if that hub could even have the capability to be an orchestration mechanism, you know, that would be wonderful too. But at the same time, the scope of marketing 
technology-powered marketing has clearly gotten so large that most people don't believe one product will just solve everything across the entire board, right? I mean, here we're using a particular piece of software for, you know, capturing this podcast. Uh, you know, should that be a part of the Adobe Marketing Cloud? Maybe, maybe not. Um, so, you know, this idea of if you have a hub and spoke architecture where, yeah, the hub is sort of your, your core thing around which then these more specialized capabilities and point solutions can plug into, I think that would be the best of both worlds. Now, that's the theory. The reality is the companies who were in a position to become these hubs, uh, uh, Adobe, um, uh, Eloqua, Oracle, um, uh, Salesforce, for various reasons, none of them have yet reached the point where they're viewed in a platform position the same way we like view like iOS and Android uh, in the mobile space. Um, I mean, Salesforce is awesome, but most people who use Salesforce use their CRM. Um, you know, Oracle is awesome in the marketing space, but, you know, a lot of people use their B2B marketing automation platform, Eloqua, or they use possibly the Blue Kai DMP. Um, Adobe, right, has classically, I mean, one of their strengths in their cloud has been, uh, uh, their, uh, web experience management platform that, you know, came from day software. And so what, what you end up happening in reality today is that a lot of companies, they don't have a single hub solution. They actually have several different things. They use something from Salesforce, something from Oracle, something from Adobe, and then a bunch of these other more specialized things, right? Like Uberflip, right? I mean, you, you guys get plugged into, you know, all of those different kinds of environments. Um, and what's happened is because most marketing technology vendors have to live in this world where it's a very heterogeneous environment that if they want to win customers, they need to, frankly, integrate with almost anything the customer wants, um, is a lot of the marketing tech companies have worked very hard to become agnostic in the way they interface to a broader ecosystem, and that, in turn, has actually made it easier for a lot of marketers to say, okay, maybe we don't have just a single hub. Maybe we have two or three different hubs. You know, there might be something we think of as our hub primarily for customer data, but there might be something very different that we think of as our hub for, say, content. Um, and so that feels like where we are today in marketing technology is it's it's probably more of a multi-hub world than a single hub and spoke how that will evolve over the next five years is you know there, there are some people who believe it'll, it'll converge back to central hubs i i think there's a lot of incentives for that to happen but we're you know it, it, it's not happening yet <laughs> so will it happen when will it happen uh I, I whenever people ask me to predict what marketing technology will look like in five years I, you know i mean we we can come up with some interesting theories but the reality is for marketers who have to deliver things today they have goals in the next 12 months in the next 18 months it almost doesn't matter what happens in five years what matters is how do you deal with the current environment today I love that. Yeah. One of the things I tend to harp on in presentations is how we could actually focus on doing our jobs better and worry less about the future. And we'll do a lot better for our <laughs> careers because no one's really doing a perfect job with what we have. 
But I, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about how you actually launch the marketing technology landscape. And before we do, I'd like to do a sponsor read for one of the amazing things that Randy and his team at Uber Flip are doing. And the reason they have a podcast called Flip the Switch. And what they're doing there is highlighting the brightest marketing minds. They have useful insights, actionable takeaways. It's a fresh approach to content marketing. So the question I'm going to ask you, Scott, would be a great fit on their podcast as well, which you can find at uberflip.com slash podcast. So you talked about the origins of the marketing technology landscape, and it was one PowerPoint slide, and you pulled that together, and it had humble beginnings. And now it's something that Randy alluded to as being like the NCAA tournament bracket. Everyone's looking forward to it to see where they are and where they're seated, if you will. But what does the behind-the-scenes process look like of producing that and actually launching that? So I'm curious about the content campaign you wrap around that now knowing that there is a lot of interest yeah well i'll I'll spare you the 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 technical production challenges because yeah as it's gotten larger um (laughs) that's a whole land uh, topic unto itself um but i think usually the question that people are most interested in is okay well how do you define the categories and how do you decide who's in which category uh, and I should take that moment to disclaim that that's a very hard thing to do. Uh, and uh, the, the way I do the landscape, um, I'm always quick to point out, this is just one man's impression, my opinion. This is a very um, dynamic space. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, people people shouldn't take my labels, you know, as gospel. This is just sort of one way of looking at the world. Um, but the way I look at it is throughout the year, I, I keep track of essentially the categories that I hear marketers talking about, either the way they are looking for particular kinds of tools or the way they're bucketing things in their organization. I talk to a lot of marketing technology vendors. I, I hear their pitches of, okay, well, how do they, how do they label their tool? How do they define uh, the space where they think they're playing? And that, 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 that becomes the, the seeds for, okay, what are the, what are the categories? What does that map look like? outside of specific companies. Um, and then for the category, once I have a category defined, I try and take the approach of what I think any other marketer who was starting from scratch would do. Uh, I, I, I go to Google. <laughs> I, I, I do searches for you know uh, the, the, that category. I'm seeing who's coming up in the organic listings, who's placing advertising for it. Uh, if I find conferences or articles, people say, oh, well, if you're searching for marketing automation, here are the top 20 marketing automation tools that we use. I'll click through. I'll read that article. I just keep taking all these notes. Um, and, and that becomes really the core seed of, okay, well, these are the people who, if I was looking for marketing automation, these are the folks who I'd be most likely to find. Uh, and it's surprising, actually, how many you find. <laughs> um, uh, it's a very diverse set. Uh, but then there's also a great set of tools out there. Uh, you know, as this landscape has gotten larger and more and more marketers are wrestling with the selection process, you know, you've got all these great tools like G2 Crowd and Trust Radius and Captera, uh, a new service called Cabinet M, a new one called Siftery. And, and these are sites that whether they're run as kind of like review sites, 
sites or cataloging sites or whatnot. They basically become places where you can come and search for marketing technologies within a particular category. And so I, I, I go there and I, I triangulate between all of these different services, you know, of who, who do they say are in these categories? Who do their customers say are in those categories? So it's, it's funny how Chris alluded to the content around the buildup to this, right? And it's, it's funny when I, you know, leading up to the podcast today, I actually went and Googled Chief Martech 2016 to find the layout. And, you know, the first post by Google, if, I don't even know if you know this, is actually your tease of, of the, uh, of the uh, landscape to come back in January. So it's, it's interesting how content, you know, to our point here really is, you know, something that's leading up to anticipation to, you know, people following year round. And, you know, the, maybe the other interesting thing I found is a, as you had to segment more into these different, uh, I think there were six different uh, almost areas of marketing technology, the content and experience actually ended up having its own category. So, um, you know, you know, it's funny to, to the point that, you know, content marketing itself, I believe had over 160 different vendors in it, but, you know, you defined, you know, content and experience to go beyond just content marketing, but, but a lot more. And maybe you can kind of give, you know, given this is content pros podcast, how do you think of, of content beyond just the content marketing efforts that we do? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, yeah, you know, I'm actually thinking back uh, the, the remark that uh, that teaser post comes up as the first thing in Google search. You know, the funny thing about that, uh, just to poke through any illusion here that this was some grand master plan of mine, um, I actually expected to have this landscape published back in January because people kept telling me, I, I mean, analyst after analyst kept insisting this, it, the landscape's going to consolidate. There aren't going to be as many companies. And I even started to believe it at some point. So I'm like going into it. I'm thinking, oh man, this year, this will be a piece of cake. And <laughs> as you've seen from the output, it was not a piece of cake. The landscape nearly doubled. Um, and so, yeah, it, uh, it, it kept getting pushed back week by week. And it, it, it did become really just a coincidence that the reveal happened with MarTech. But um Sorry to burst any bubbles of my grand, uh, you know, content strategy there. Um, but, but you know, I mean, content, it's an interesting thing. So the way I divvied them up on the landscape into these, I, I guess we could call them clusters, is what things feel most similar. And it's interesting to look at the other clusters, right? Like, um, you know, the advertising and promotion stuff, um, non-content marketing promotion, um, right? That's, that is kind of its own world. You look at the tools, you look at the vendors, you look at the way people even think about using that stuff. And it's very different than what people are doing in the content uh, world. Um, Social and relationships, there's clearly an interplay between content and experience and social and relationships. But at the same time, the in many ways, right, the social side of it is is, is a layer that happens around the content. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's our distribution networks. It's our feedback networks. Um, you know, really exciting stuff. But it, it, there's definitely a life of its own. Um, you know, you get further along into things like uh, commerce. And again, we connect commerce and content marketing. There's, there's, they're, they're definitely supportive of each other. But, yeah, you get into people who are really um, – 
you know, uh, designing retail store experiences or they're designing, uh, you know, e-commerce optimization uh, on their website. Uh, and they kind of get into a world of their own and, uh, you know, tactics and capabilities and, and, and so on. But I think the, the content and experience side of it to me is the most exciting because, again, in a world where advertising is no longer the centerpiece of how marketing builds a brand with the world, right? I mean, that's the coolest thing to me, actually, about that landscape is the ad tech piece of it, as large as it is, is dwarfed by the amount of innovation that's happening in all of these other areas. Um, and, and, and the heart of that is this idea of, right, yeah, creating creating the own content, creating the own experience. Um, you know, it's our website. It's, um, it's, it's our email campaigns, right? Once we have a, uh, you know, Seth Godin back from the nineties, permission marketing, right? Once we have a permission marketing relationship with someone, you know, what are we sending them with that permission that they find valuable? Better not be advertising because then they, you know, shut it out. But if it's useful content, okay, that's a great thing. So that's how email gets into that. Um, you know, same thing with, uh, you know, leveraging video um you know it's not the ann hanley has a great presentation she, she'd recently given around uh, stuff in her new book right where you know posting your ads on youtube <laughs> does not win you a, a, a lot of loyalty and impression even if it's a really cool ad people are like yeah you know but the people who are genuinely creating useful meaningful interesting entertaining content in video and getting out there wow that's becoming a huge channel for them for building audience and building relationships so I don't know that's a that's a bit of a ramble, but if if, if I was going to do this as a circular diagram instead of just like uh, the way it's laid out, I kind of feel like yeah, content and experience is is, is the core. Well, building on experience, Scott, with your involvement with Ion Interactive and you know shaping the product direction, how do you see interactive content changing to better embrace that experience? Um, well, well, thank you for that question. Um, it's really interesting, right? I mean, you look at not just the content marketing movement as it's largely been to date, um, but the history of marketing and advertising is it's almost all been around this idea of passive content, content that the audience either listens to or reads or watches, um, but they aren't actively participating in it. Um, you know, we talked about it for years, right? Those who remember when uh, the web was first getting going and people got all excited about interactive marketing, there was actually going to be something interactive about it. Um, but in a lot of cases, that, that, that didn't really materialize. But, you know, fast forward today, and there's been this just explosion of creativity where marketers are realizing they don't have to just create things that people passively consume. They can create these services um, that people participate in, you know, like uh, Jay Bear. I, I loved his uh, he's got a new book, Hug Your Haters, but the one before that, Utility, man, I thought it was just absolutely brilliant, right? This idea of how do you as a marketer create something that provides utility 
to your audience. Uh, and he has a whole bunch of great examples there. But, you know, when I look at what customers on our uh, platform build, um, you know, even if it's like, say, Dell, uh, you know, and they're trying to develop a relationship with IT managers who have to deal with mobile device management. Okay, well, you could you could write a very long white paper for an IT manager of here's all the ways you can think about, you know, uh, managing mobile devices. Um, and we know these white papers are real page turners. People just, you know, download them, you know, like the hot new MarTech landscape and can't wait to get home and read them, right? Um, <laughs> uh, but if instead of doing that, you know, we sort of say, okay, well, in Dell's case, right, they build an assessment, you know, that actually let the IT manager go through this process, almost like they were working with a sales engineer of, okay, well, what are what are you doing now? What are the current options? Where are the challenges you're facing? How are you dealing with gas? How are you dealing with, you know, security issues here? I mean, the sorts of things that this IT manager really needs to figure out. And then at the end of that assessment, it's showing them where they sit relative to best practices, to their peers. It's not just trying to promote, oh, okay, Okay, well, now that you've taken this assessment, buy Dell products and everything will be magically fine. No, they like go into like real meaty content of, okay, you're doing great here, but it sounds like you're still trying to figure out how you're going to manage um, uh, bring your own device uh, devices as separate from corporate devices. Here's some information we can give you actually very specifically. Here's an article. It wasn't even written by us. It was written by someone else, you know, at CIO magazine or something that can walk you through some of these options. And so you, you get into things like that. And you realize, A, this is an incredibly new creative dimension for marketers. So there's so many things we can do um, for interactive content that was never even possible before. But that, well, on one hand, it's great that it's a creative dimension for us. It's equally as exciting that this is a chance to actually give a lot more value to prospects earlier in the funnel. This is this is utility. That's great. I, you know, I think you nailed it there in terms of being creative and, and delivering something that people can benefit from. I mean, we tried to do this recently. I think you may have seen this, Scott, at Uberflip. We we created a, a grading tool for your stack um, to actually use the framework that we want to stack you with on you called uh, grademystack.com. And, you know, it's, it's just that it's, it's designed both to be something that, you know, you can interact with. And at the end, it's going to provide you a ton of insights. So, you know, I, I think what you're doing at, at Ion Interactive is, is definitely something that people can can learn from a lot. And, you know, in general, just learning from from a lot of what you're you're doing with with Ion Interactive, with MarTech, I mean, you know, the, this landscape we keep talking about only comes out once a year. But, you know, if you do want to get, you know, great insights like you get from that on a more regular basis, there, there's another great publication just to speak to that's, you know, part of our, our parent company at Content Pros here, which is Convince and Convert. And they have a daily email uh, called Definitive. And I really encourage everyone to take a look at that because the types of insights that we're talking about that, that Scott's delivering, that Mark chief martech are delivering are the same type of things that definitive is looking for so you can go to definitivedigest.com and check that out um and and definitely subscribe and, and get those emails um you know one last question for you scott and you know it's it's amazing what you've accomplished you know with this initiative around educating you know what were your ambitions when you were a kid that's that's where we always take people back was was it an educator in a way or or what did you want to be way back when 
<laughs> well, I, I think it started out as a firefighter, like, you know, every other five-year-old kid. <laughs> but I, I, I got past that. Um, uh, for most of my childhood, I actually wanted to go into music. I uh, originally went to uh, the University of Miami. I was uh, uh, trying to get into their music production program. So I wanted to be a music producer. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, one of the things I actually uh, – <laughs> came to the conclusion early on is while I love music, um, my talent as a musician <laughs> is significantly below uh, my appreciation for music. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things I've found fascinating is as I took this other career direction um, about, you know, the nerdy intersection of marketing and technology, which, which I love and, you know, I have a little bit of talent for, um, yeah, I, I was just reflecting the other day when, uh, you know, we did that MarTech conference and I had this chance to be up on stage and here were like 2000 people at that event. And I'm like, OK, I wasn't a very good musician, but it is really cool to, you know, feel like, OK, this is this is a chance to if it's not a song, it is um, it is an idea. Uh, and being able to share that with a group of other people whom it resonates. Um, yeah, it was a really special experience. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Well, Scott, the good news is you still get to perform on a stage, so not too far from being a musician. Thank you all for joining the show, and please do follow Scott and all the amazing content they're producing, both at Ion Interactive and at Chief Martech. On behalf of the Content Pros Podcast, I am Chris Moody. I've also been joined by Randy Frisch from Uberflip. We will talk to you all next week. You can follow more at contentprospodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you like to get your podcasts. Please do let us know what you think of the show, and we will talk to you again next week. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts.